Hail and well-met adventurers, and welcome back to another episode of the Sourcebook here on RiotRadio.ca. As per usual, I'm your host, Evan Halbert, and today we're talking about The Rogue. We're continuing with our classes, uh, and we're going to be chatting about what's going on with The Rogue. Um, as per usual, you're using the Player's Handbook on any flip. This is the standard book, um, and we're going to be using Xanathar's Guide as well, uh, just because there's four different archetypes in Xanathar's Guide that... Uh, has some other options and they're pretty neat. But first, we'll go through the player's handbook and we'll uh, we'll just figure out what's going on here. So we're gonna flip over to the rogue, which is in the book. It is page 94. On any flip, it's like 88, 89. So <coughs> the rogue is um, they're like the easiest way to describe them is like your thief. But you don't have the default to the thief if you're a rogue. It's usually just a shady individual um, of the party. Usually has a uh, morally gray area in terms of what they're willing to do to uh, survive and get what they want. It's typically pretty typical of the rogue. Uh, most players have the rogue being their dark and broody, edgy self. Or they have them doing um, kind of like a, a very subtle uh, backstory. Um, the, the running joke is they have an edgy backstory that you know is shrouded in mystery and it's up to the other players to figure out what it is and um, nine times out of ten they don't because no one cares but that's usually how it goes um, so the rogue surprisingly gets a d8 for their um, for their health and their hit dice which is a lot higher than you might think you'd think that rogues they don't get that much health but like they're healthier than your wizard so that's pretty good and they're on par uh, with most other classes um, like the sorcerer gets d8s I believe if not then they're also d6s funny enough we're talking about sorcerers next so we'll talk about them um, but yeah it's pretty interesting <coughs> um, your rogues are proficient in light armor no heavy armor as per usual um, and the weapons they're proficient with are very unique and they're very specific um, so it's simple weapons, but also hand crossbows, long swords, rapiers, and short swords. See what I mean by it's oddly specific. It's not just defaulted to simple weapons, martial weapons, but it's uh, it's a hand-picked um, weapons that they're good at. Um, they also are proficient with thieves' tools, um, which is not an artisan's tool set. It's something else. We'll have, we'll talk about that later. Um, they're also proficient in dexterity and intelligence saving throws, and they get to choose between uh, four different skills right off the hop, which is between acrobatics, athletics, deception, intimidation, uh, insight, investigation, perception, performance, persuasion, sleight of hand, and stealth. So similar to bards, rogues are your skill monkeys. They usually get a bunch of skills, and they're good at all of them. Um, and some of them they're really good at because they gain expertise. Um, we talked about expertise in our Bard episode, which was our episode two. So if you uh, kind of want to skip the idea of talking about expertise again, you can just watch that episode, or um, we'll just move along. Okay, so starting equipment, you usually get to choose. If you choose to do starting equipment and not just have like a bunch of gold that you're sitting on, and you just want to buy your own equipment, um, usually you start with a rapier or a short sword. A, a short bow and a quiver of 20 arrows, or a short sword, a burglar's pack, a dungeoneer's pack, or an explorer's pack, and then leather armor, two daggers, and thieves tools. So this is one of the few um, 
classes where you are proficient with a um, with a tool, and you get that tool right away um, with your starting equipment. There's not too much that allows you to do that, uh, mostly because people that pick up tool proficiencies, it's usually in their backgrounds that they'll get it, and not with the class. Um, so that's really interesting. So we were talking about expertise, and you gain expertise right away um, at first level. This is one of those things, like, honestly, rogues are so unique for a martial class in the sense that they play so differently. Um, and they gain, and, and like, I talked about, like, fighters, like, oh, this is, like, the bread and butter um, fighter skill. But honestly, everything about the rogue is, like must-haves and they're unique to the rogue um obviously we talked about uncanny dodge and evasion being a part of um some different classes so the ranger they gain one of the ranger archetypes they gain um evasion or uncanny dodge um whereas rogues get both they get uncanny dodge and evasion so but we'll talk about that a little bit later so back to expertise uh you get to pick two of your skill proficiencies so two of the ones that i mentioned mentioned earlier that you're proficient in and you get to expertise in those uh, skills meaning you double your proficiency um, for those skills whenever you're making rolls with them and this increases at later levels um, at level six you can choose two more um, or you can also choose your thieves tools that you're expertised in uh, which is really handy because no lock uh, is a problem for you at that point um, it was getting to the point where I was playing a rogue uh, a thief rogue, which is one of the archetypes, um, and it got to the point where I was like, "Look, DM, if this roll is under a ten, or if the DC is a ten or lower, I automatically pass it because I can't roll lower than a 10. So it was very interesting to, uh, to <laughs> kind of have that there. Um, so yeah, that's expertise. But well, we've we've talked about that before. Um, one of the things that's unique to the rogue, and there's so much that's unique to the rogue, but one of the big things you always want to try and do is get a sneak attack off. Sneak attack being another skill you gain at level 1. It allows you to uh, add additional damage dice to your roll once you get a sneak attack. So, uh, once per turn, you can add an additional 1d6 damage to one creature you hit with an attack that you have advantage on uh, the attack roll you must be using a finesse or a ranged weapon. So finesse weapons are like uh, scimitars, rapiers, daggers, um, weapons that are um, use your dexterity instead of your strength um, or have the option to do that with. So it's very interesting that you need to do that. So if you have a longsword and you're running around with a, with a rogue um, and you're just like, I sneak attack with my longsword, you actually can't because it needs to be a finesse weapon or a ranged weapon. Um, and that's that's prefaced here. So um, Now, the way that it describes how you gain a sneak attack is really interesting or really different. So... By default, if you have advantage on the attack, you get sneak attack. You can add sneak attack to your damage. But that's not always the case. Sneak attack is unique in a sense that if someone else is targeting your target and you attack them, you still get that sneak attack. That doesn't necessarily mean you have advantage on the roll, but you still get your sneak attack damage. And I find that's always very confusing, at least for me. It's always been confusing, and I always ask, do I get sneak attack on this? Or sneak attack question mark, just to be sure that I do have it. My DM will be like, yep, you got it. Um, that way I'm not rolling damage dice and it doesn't 
like I'm not assuming anything. I always want to make sure that things are very clear between me and my DM as to what it is I'm doing and how it's happening. So that way they understand how to calculate damage and understand what's going on. And that way, when I sit there and I'm like, I'm a rogue, uh, I just rolled 22 points of damage on one attack and they're, they don't give me a weird look like, what do you mean? Um, that's when you know you made you messed up is when the DM starts giving you looks. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting. So your sneak attack damage also goes up uh, based off of your level. So starting at third level, it's a two D, it's an additional two D six. Um, fifth level is three D six, and so on and such forth. At maximum of ten D six additional sneak attack damage. And uh, there's a couple other classes that enhance your sneak attack. Um, or subclasses or archetypes. We'll talk about those later on. I believe the assassin is the big one. Um, so yeah, you just get it, it, it. It's interesting that sneak attack adds additional dice instead of upping the dice um, percentage. So we were talking a little while ago that um, specific classes they like the bard, for example, um, they start off with a d6 that you can use for bardic inspiration. But instead, the dice percentage just goes up, so it goes from being a d6 to a d8 to a d10 to a d12. Or as rogues, they don't increase the 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 max damage of the dice; they just make it so you roll more dice. Um, so if you're one of those people that are that's a dice goblin and you like like you have a billion dice like I do, I have a lot of dice, um, and you like throwing all of those dice, then this is the class for you because uh, at higher levels you'll be throwing a whack ton of them. Um, if you would like some reference, uh, Fireball as a spell is probably the most satisfying for a Dice Goblin, just because it's 8d6 uh, damage. Now if you crit on a sneak attack at level, I believe it's level 5, no, yeah, at level 7, um, you're, you're rolling 8d6, you're doing Fireball damage to a single target, which is kind of insane. So, if you want, think about it that way. Um, next up we have Thieves' Cant. Thieves' Cant is something that I find is often um, overlooked as the rogue. The idea with Thieves' Cant is that it's a language that you know, similar to Druidic, um, but it's a spoken language. Uh, it can be interpreted in symbols as well, but there's also a, a spoken component to it. Um, and the idea is that you can speak a random set of phrases to somebody and they understand what you mean. So you could be like, hey, barkeep, you know, I heard you had a leaky tap. And that can translate to, you know, the gold under the bar or something like that. Um, and, and it's got that unique kind of... I'm on a job and I'm a rogue and I'm saying a, a key phrase to you in order to kind of signal to you that I'm I'm on a job and you have something I need or there's something I want from you. It's very uh, it's a very cool thing that the that the game masters or um, the people at Wizards of the Coast and Dungeons and Dragons threw into this game, but unfortunately I don't I find that in most games it's not used often enough. Um, and it's more often than not overlooked. I would also, honestly, I would love to to see more of this used. Maybe I'll run a, a rogues-only campaign and you know see what goes from there. That'd be interesting. Okay, cunning action. Cunning action is used a lot, and it should be used a lot. It's really good. So 
what coming action does is it allows you to use your bonus action to dash, disengage, or hide. This means that uh, typically when you would use these actions on your action, you kind of forego your attack. This way you don't have to. So if I'm engaged with someone and I want to run up to them, stab them in the back, and run out, you can do that. So what you would do in terms of the language you would use with your DM is, um, you know, I'm going to move my 15 feet up. I'm going to make my attack against this target. Um, once the attack action is complete, you say I'm using my cunning action to disengage and I'm going to fall back another 15 feet. What that translated to is you've gone up, made your attack, and by disengaging, you've made it so that you're not going to get an attack of opportunity from the target that you just attacked, and you can run away safely. But you can also use this uh, to dash as well, so if someone is 60 feet ahead of you, um, and you only have 30 feet of movement, you can say, hey, I'm using my cunning action to dash, you can run the full 60, and then get your attack in, or even to hide. I find I use this action more often than not to hide, um, just because it's super handy. So, uh, because if you can get the hide or the stealth off, um, and you can make it successful, uh, then you kind of get a free, you can get a free uh, advantage on your next attack, and advantage means sneak attack, so you're doing tons of damage. At level 3, you choose your roguish archetype. Uh, total, there are seven of them that are official in these two books. There's probably a lot more that I don't know about, but these seven are what I'm going to go over, or I'm going to try and go over within the allotted time. I'm talking a lot about individual skills very quickly. Um, and there's so much to cover, so we'll, we'll try and get through them as best we can. Um, that's level 3. At level 4, as per usual, it's our ASI, or Ability Score Improvement. You... Uh, once again, you get these at level 8, 12, uh, 8, 10, 12, 16, 19, uh, and 19th levels, and you can increase one abilities by two, or two of them by one, as per usual. Uh, at 5th level, funny enough, as a martial class, you would assume that you would get uh, multi-attack as a rogue. You actually don't. Uh, rogues don't gain that. Instead, they gain uncanny dodge. So one of the cool things they did is they focused a little bit more on your abilities to evade damage rather than deal damage with another attack. So with uncanny dodge, when you see an attacker that's ready to hit you with an attack, you can use your reaction to half that damage, which is great because more often than not as a rogue, your health pool is already really low. Um, not really, really low, not like wizard low, but it's low enough that uh, if you get hit by something really big, it's going to hurt a lot and it's going to take half your health, but with this, you can just half the damage, which is super handy. Uh, as well with evasion at 7th level, you can, whenever a attack or a spell that's made against you that requires you to make a dexterity saving throw, uh, or take half the damage. So the way that, uh, we'll go back to Fireball just because it's, it's a good example of this and it's still my favorite spell. Um, but with a dexterity saving throw um, on, the, on the Fireball spell, it's usually you take 86 full damage on failed saves, and on successful saves you take half as much. Well, with the evasion skill, instead of that, you take half as much damage on a failed save, and you evade all of the damage altogether on a, on a successful save. Um, 
So you can take like a Dragon's Fire Breath, an Ice Storm spell, a Fireball spell, and completely negate all of the damage. Just nope right on out of there. Which is also really cool. Uh, honestly, getting Uncanny Dodge and Evasion is super handy. Um, just because it allows you to just take a lot less damage, which is great because you you just don't have the health like your fighter, ranger, barbarian. Uh, you just don't have the health that they do. So, it's really good. Uh, reliable talent. Pretty much from this point on, I've never gotten a rogue to be higher than level 9. So, uh, from this point on, uh, I don't have personal experience on how to, how to use these. But anyways, um, on reliable talent, you can choose a skill uh, until they approach perfection. Whenever you make an ability check that lets you add your proficiency bonus, you can cheat the d20 roll of a 9 or a lower as a 10, which is great. So, if you're already proficient in this skill, you're a skill monkey. More often than not, you're adding your... And this is also the, at the 11th level. Um, when you're adding your proficiency bonus to two things at the 11th level, you're adding plus 4 to it. If you're expertise in it, you're adding plus 8 to it. And if you're already considering it to be a, um, that's just your proficiency bonus. That's not including anything else. So if you're rolling stealth, and obviously by level 11, your stealth should be your your dexterity should be maxed. So it'd be five plus four, and then your your expertise in it plus another four. That's a 13 right away. So if you roll lower than a 9, it's considered to be a 10, which means you're default rolling a 23 every single time, which is really, really good. Because um, most people, it's tough to get a 23. You have to roll into the 17s, 18s, 19s, 20s in order to get uh, anywhere close to there. So the fact that you can just kind of be like, yep, I'm just going to roll really high on that one thing I'm really good at. It's pretty amazing. Okay, blind sense. At 14th level, you're able to hear and are aware of look the location of any hidden or invisible creature within 10 feet of you. Um, on paper, this looks really good. Um, it's a little underwhelming for blind sense. Sure, it's really handy the, the fact that you can sense anything within a 10-foot radius of you, um, but it's only within 10 feet of you. So if you're in a massive, massive, massive room, um, you're not going to be able to detect everything that's happening inside the room. So if, if you hear something, or if you're trying to hear for something that's 30 feet away from you or on the ceiling or whatever, you're not going to happen. It's meant and intended to be a self-preservation tool. So if something is approaching you um, and it starts to encroach on that 10 feet of within your space, then you're good. You, you'll sense it and you can get out of there. You can make a reaction or make an attack, which is pretty handy because they won't be expecting it. Okay, Slippery Mind. You've acquired a greater mental strength and you gain proficiency in wisdom saving throws, which is good. Um, there's not too many classes that allow you to have multiple, more than two um, uh, saving throws that you're proficient in. So it's pretty neat that this is not one of those classes. I think the only other one I can think of off the top of my head is um, the Gloomstalker Rogue. Rogue, they gain something like this. Sorry, Gloomstalker Ranger. They gain something similar to this, um, where they gain proficiency in wisdom saving throws, where if you're already proficient in it, you can choose either intelligence or charisma afterwards, which is really good. Alright, level 18, elusive. 
You're so evasive that attackers rarely gain the upper hand against you. No attack roll has advantage against you while you aren't incapacitated. Basically, you're, no one's ever allowed to have advantage on you. Which is... Like, honestly, there's no reason. It's, if someone were to look at that and be like, No, that's dumb. I'd be like, no. Not even. Basically, there's a less likely chance you're going to get hit by stuff. And I'm okay with that. Okay. Stroke of luck, at level 20, you have an uncanny knack for succeeding when you need to. Uh, if your attack misses a target within range, uh, you can turn the attack, or you can turn the miss into a hit. Alternatively, if you fail the ability check, you can treat the d20 roll as a 20. Um, once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a short or a long rest. This is one of, like, I think this is the only ability that's in default rogue or vanilla rogue without taking a look at any of the archetypes that is an ability you gain back on a short or a long rest. Everything else is just, it happens. It's default. It's just your, your natural ability to do things. Um, it's not an ability you could just, you just use. Um, some of them are unique in a sense that you can only use them on a reaction, but this is the only one that you have to take. You can only use it once and then you get it back on a shorter or long rest, which is pretty good. Okay, and that's it for Vanilla Rogue. We'll be talking about the, uh, the subclasses now. So, we have the Thief, uh, the Assassin, uh, the Arcane Trickster, Trickster for the uh, Player's Handbook. Uh, and then in Xanathar's, we have the Swashbuckler, the Mastermind, the Inquisitor, and the Scout. So with the Thief, um, this is the kind of rogue I was running, just because I was like, everyone usually defaults to Assassin when they don't use Xanathar's book, just because it just, it, I think objectively it deals more damage. But I always liked the um, out-of-combat aspect or playability of the rogue. Fast Hands. At third level, you can use the bonus action granted by your cunning action to make a dexterity sleight of hand check, uh, to use your thief tools to disarm a trap or open a lock, uh, or take use of the use an object action. So, if you're creative, you can use this ability in a variety of different ways. Um, I've used it in some weird ways, um, and honestly, a little bit of negotiation with your DM might be in order, um, but you can definitely do that. You can use uh, use an object, so f um, I managed to throw a flask of oil at an enemy and it splashed on him, and then I used fast hands as a bonus action uh, after using my action to throw the object to light a fire on him, so he takes... Uh, a, a constant five fire damage per turn. <laughs> so there's a lot of creative uses that come with uh, fast hands. So definitely don't rule it out as a as a really lame ability because it's definitely not. And it's also got a few combat abilities in there as well. Okay, second story work. One, this is a fun fun ability to say second story work. Uh, but as well, it does a lot of really cool stuff. So you gain the ability to climb faster than normal, and your climbing speed. Uh, no longer costs additional movement, so you can climb at a normal pace. You can also make a running jump the distance you cover is equal by your dexterity modifier. Uh, so that's really good, because you can just kind of casually add plus five to your, uh, <laughs> to your, uh, your second story work. Um, Really handy. You'd be surprised how how many how many times you could be like, I can jump that cliff, and then you actually can. Um, Supreme sneak 
At the nice level, you gain advantage on dexterity stealth checks if you want to move no more than half your speed on the same turn. Uh, this is also really good because I find more often than not, like, if you're running a, a stealth check or, um, you're usually moving at a pretty slow pace anyways, um, but uh, there's there's quite a few options when you're doing a stealth check and uh, you're not moving at all. So there's there's quite a few things. Okay, use magic device. You learn the ability to use a magic device, um, even if the item is not intended for you. So there are some items that are specific to dwarves or to elves or to something like that. So if you're a human human rogue. Uh, and you want to use a magic item that requires you to be an elf or a paladin or a class of any kind, you can just kind of use it. Same with level requirements, um, but I do believe you still have to be attuned to the item if it requires attunement. Um, so you still have to play with it and, and figure that out, and we'll talk about attunement at, a lot of, at another time. Um, but it's really handy. So, funny fun fact, you can use fast hands uh, to use your magic device too because you're using an object so if you have a magic device uh, or a magical item of some sort that's not a weapon and you want to use that ability you can be like fast hands I use my wand or whatever um, so that's really cool and it can make uh, it could suddenly make your thief rogue really powerful Okay, and the keystone ability for the thief is when you reach the 17th level, you become adept at laying ambushes and quickly, quickly escaping danger. You can take two turns during the first round of any combat. You take your first turn at the normal initiative, and then your second turn at minus 10 initiative. You can't use this feature when you're, when you're surprised. Um, so this is when you're doing the first round of any combat. So on your first round, you got two turns, which is really good. Um, I don't need to tell you. Well, we talked last week about action economy um, with, the ro with the ranger and their volley ability and how you can add more actions to your turn. Um, once again, this is adding another action to your turn, increasing your action economy even more. So this is just all around a really good um, ability and in most combat situations usually the the side with the more actions wins um, unless you're you're fighting a very deadly encounter uh, this is why most party sizes don't exceed six um, you can do a party size of like 10 people 11 people uh, your DM will hate you because that's a lot to manage um, and it's really hard to balance an encounter when there's a band of part, like a huge, li literally a convoy of adventurers running around together. So, um, hope you like Tarasks, just saying. Alright, an assassin. Uh, you gain bonus proficiencies at level 3rd, you gain proficiency with a, disguise, with a disguise kit and a poisoner's kit. As well, you gain the ability to assassinate. You have advantage on attack rolls against any creature that hasn't taken uh, a turn in the combat yet. In addition, any hit you score against this creature is surprise that is surprised is a critical hit. So basically, guaranteed crit, guaranteed crits, uh, and like really great advantages on stuff just because. Um, at the same time, at ninth level, you 
can unfailingly create false identities for yourself. If you you must spend seven days and twenty five gold pieces to establish the history, profession, and affiliation for your identity. You can't establish an identity that belongs to someone else. For example, you may acquire an appropriate clothing, letters of introduction, an official looking certificate that establishes you as a member of a trading house from a remote city that you can uh, insinuate yourself into the company of wealthy merchants. Do all sorts of cool stuff like that. Thereafter, you can adopt a new identity as a disguise. Uh, as a disguise, other creatures believe you to be that person unless given an obvious reason not to. Um, so, if you blatantly contradict yourself, this is where RP. If you're really good at role playing, this is this is what you want to do. Um, but if you're really bad at it and you're not good at keeping your story straight. This is where you might have uh, might run into some issues because obvious contradictions or obvious contradictions to what you're saying might not be uh, might shoot yourself in the foot. Just saying, uh, imposter. You gain the ability to unearingly mimic another person's speech, writing, and behavior. You must spend at least three hours studying uh, these three components of the person's behavior, listening to their speech, examining their handwriting, and observing their mannerisms. Your ruse is indiscernible to the casual observer. If a wary creature suspects something is amiss, you have advantage on any charisma deception check you make to avoid being detected. Super handy. You, once again, this is surprising how great out of combat you can use these abilities. I know that one of the big allures to D&D can be combat. Um, but I find more often than not, don't... don't uh, don't underestimate these uh, these non-combat abilities or these RP abilities that allow you to um, kind of weasel your way into situations and get more story out of your DM, which is super handy. Honestly, DMs love it when you try to explore their story more because they spend hours upon hours creating these stories for you and doing their research and trying to devise of ways to, to make things come to life for you. So, you know, might as well reward them with, you know, taking an interest, right? Okay, the, corner, the keystone of the assassin's ability. Starting at the 17th level, you become a master of instant death. When you attack a creature and hit, um, that is surprised you make it must make a constitution saving throw which is a dc8 plus your dexterity modifier and your proficiency bonus on a failed save double the damage uh that the attack uh of the this creature so i was saying about these rp out of combat abilities and then you get this really awesome keystone ability once again it's at 17th level though um but doubling the damage of your attack is huge um just because if you get because you're you're adding your sneak attack on top of this too so if you want to think about it this way at 17th level your sneak attack damage is a 96 so you're rolling 96 plus you have advantage on this roll so you get sneak attack and if they fail that constitution saving throw they are taking double of that damage so the maximum amount of damage they could take Let's use the dagger's damage, for example. You roll a 4 on your dagger strike, plus your 5, that's 9, uh, from your dexterity modifier, plus your uh, sneak attack, which is 96, so 
6 times 9, which is 54. So you're adding an additional 54 on top of that. So currently you're looking at 63 points of damage. And then you double that. So that's a 128 points of damage in one turn from a dagger. That, that's that's a hefty amount of damage, but that's also assuming you roll max damage on everything, um, which is extremely unlikely, and if you do, take a picture so your DM knows, because honestly, I'm telling you right now, you will be accused of cheating. <laughs> okay, so, uh, the Assassin. Very cool, very handy. Uh, surprisingly, it's got a lot of out-of-character things that you can do, mostly because the entire purpose of it is catching your opponent off guard and getting those surprise rounds. Okay, Arcane Trickster, for when you want your rogue to be a little bit more of a wizard. Um, similar to the um, Fighter Eldritch Knight, they only get spell slots up to level 4, and you only gain additional spell slots every few levels, starting from the 3rd. Um, so you, gain your, you only gain your 2nd level spells uh, at level 7. But the entire idea is that uh, you're supposed to be complementing your abilities with these spells, not focusing heavily on the spell aspect of um, of the Arcane Trickster. Um, so pretty much the, everything is still the same um, in terms of what kind of stuff you can learn. So cantrips that you can learn right away. Um, you get three cantrips, you have to take Mage Hand, and then you get to choose two others from the wizard spell list. Um, the Arcane Trickster spell casting, you can cast spells of level one over higher, same as usual. Uh, you expand all expended spell slots when you finish a long rest. Pretty, pretty self-explanatory. Um, you have to choose uh, spells from the enchantment and illusion spells from the wizard spell list. So you don't get to really choose any evocation spells. So no big blasty boom booms, but also no big shields uh, or, or defensive abilities either. Um, Enchantment being they're supposed to be able to complement your um, your weapons already or create illusions so that you can uh, distract your opponents. And that's kind of the, the feel you're going with here. Um, intelligence is your spellcasting modifier uh, and your DC is going to be 8 plus your proficiency bonus and your intelligence modifier. And your spell attack bonus is going to be your proficiency bonus plus your intelligence modifier. Pretty handy. There's also quite a few abilities that go with it. First ability is Mage Hand, uh, Ledger, Ledger Domain. Man, that's a word. It's a word and a half. All right. When you cast Mage Hand, you can make it invisible, uh, and you can perform the following actions for it to do. You can stow one object, uh, stow one object the hand is holding in a container worn or carried by another creature. You can retrieve an object from a container worn or carried by another creature. You can use the thieves tools to pick locks and disarm traps at range. You can perform one of these tasks without being noticed by a creature if you succeed the dexterity sleight of hand check uh, by contested creatures wisdom perception check. In addition, you can use a bonus action granted by your cunning action to control the hand. Uh, magical Ambush. Starting at the ninth level, if you're hidden from a creature when you cast a spell on it, the creature has disadvantage on any saving throws that it must make uh, against the spell itself. Pretty handy stuff. Uh, and Versatile Trickster. At the thirteenth level, you gain the ability to distract targets with Mage Hand. As a bonus action on your turn, 
uh, with a designate of creatures within five feet of the spectral hand created by the spell. Doing so gives you advantage on the attack roll against the creature until the end of the turn. Let's try that again, because I don't believe I got all of that. <laughs> you gain the ability to distract the targets with your mage hand. As a bonus action, on your turn, you designate a creature within five feet of your spectral hand created by the spell. Doing so gives you advantage on the attack rolls against the creature uh, until the end of your turn. Basically, it makes it so you can give your um, mage hand the ability to help you and give it the help action. That's pretty much what the help action is. It's, it's allowing yourself to distract the target so that you can make the attack. And finally, Spell Thief. You gain the ability to magically steal the knowledge of how to cast a spell from another spellcaster. Immediately after a creature casts a spell, uh, that target uh, that targets you or includes you in its aura of effect, you can use your reaction to force the creature to make a saving throw with its spell casting ability modifier. The DC equals your spell save DC. On a, on a failed save, you negate the spell's effects against you and you steal the knowledge of the spell uh, if it is at least a first level uh, and of a level that you can cast. It doesn't need to be a wizard spell. For the next 8 hours, you know how to cast the spell and can cast it using your spell slots. The creature can't cast that spell until 8 hours have passed. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a long rest. <sighs> okay, let's let's talk about this and, and talk about how kind of lame this is. So, you get this at the 17th level. You gain the ability to steal a spell, but it has to be an area of effect spell or it has to include you in the effects. Um, and it's, it requires your spell save DC. Basically, it's only, I, I find this is only really good against lower level wizards or sorcerers, or lower level spellcasters, because you're getting this at the 17th level. Um, and if you're on par with another creature in terms of, you know, strength, um, comparatively spell like a level, then they're probably casting spells much higher than yours. Unless you're just like, I'm going to cast Counterspell, and I choose to negate your Counterspell, and you can't cast it anymore. Well, that's not exactly how it works. Um, there'd be a lot of negotiation at the table in terms of what it is that you can and cannot take with Spell Thief, so I don't see this as, as being that great. Uh, but that's my thoughts, you know, maybe I'm not thinking this early, I haven't been presented with a situation where I'm just like, oh yeah, that'll work. Um, so who knows. Anyways, we're going to move on really quick because we don't have that much time. Um, we have the Xenothar's uh, roguish archetypes. So we'll talk about the Inquisitive. The Inquisitive is basically the poker face uh, of the of, of the gring and it, it focuses a lot on you using your uh, wisdom saving throws or your your wisdom insight checks in order to use a lot of your abilities so you have like eye for detail as a bonus action you can make a wisdom perception check to find hidden creatures or uh, objects or you can make an intelligence saving throw to uncover clues this is basically like your detective your poker face um, of the rogues which is really interesting um, you can use your Wisdom Insight check on a creature that isn't capacitated and they have to make a Charisma Deception check. If you succeed, you can use your Sneak Attack against the target even if you don't have advantage on the attack, but not if it has disadvantage. 
This benefit lasts for one minute or until uh, you succeed full use of the feature against the target. Um, that's in Sightful Fighting, you get that at level three. Um, so you see what I mean, it uses a lot of your um, wisdom and uh, perception, insight, and in investigation checks um, as a more like in-combat use. Um, so if that's the kind of rogue you're looking for, and if you want to make them like a detective, or you know, like like a, um, like a poker star, then you could do that too. Um, you also have the mastermind. Mastermind focuses on influencing other people. They're usually spies or um, courtiers or schemers that follow this archetype. And they're kind of like, if they were to, <laughs> if you were to create an all rogues campaign um, and have them pull off a heist or, or something like that, uh, these would be the people sitting at the back telling you everything was going They'd be the guy in the chair, you know, if you've, if you've seen Spider-Man Far From Home or, uh, or Homecoming, then... Uh, yeah, he, this is your guy in the chair. <laughs> the Master of Tactics. You can use your help action as a bonus action. Additionally, when you use the help action to aid an ally um, that is attack in attacking a creature, the target of that attack within 30 feet of you, rather than within 5 feet of you, if the target can see or hear you. Let's try it again with uh, without some uh, without making a mistake. Uh, when you use the help action to aid an ally in attacking a creature, the target of that attack can be within 30 feet of you, rather than within 5 feet of you. Yeah, so exactly. It's the idea that you can just kind of like shout and yell and be like, you attack him, and you can, you'll gain the benefits of the help action. So yeah, this is kind of your guy in the chair. Okay, uh, once again, really quick, we're running out of time. Um, you also have the Scout. The Scout is kind of like um, a more heavily stealth and long-range fighter um, in terms of how the rogues work. So starting at the third level, you are difficult to pin down during a fight. You can move up to half your speed as a reaction uh, when an enemy ends its turn within five feet of you. This movement doesn't provoke attacks of opportunity. As well, you have the survivalist. When you choose an archetype, this archetype at the third level, you gain proficiencies in nature and survival checks. If you don't already have it, your proficiency bonus is doubled for any ability checks that make use of either of these proficiencies. Okay, so let's say you want to play a ranger, but you 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 took the advice and you don't want to have to negotiate and completely rejig the ranger. Then you can play a rogue scout because you're basically a ranger, um, without a lot of, with, with some more of the the roguish um, abilities that are a lot better. You also gain uh, superior mobility at ninth level. Your walking speed increases by ten feet. If you have uh, a climbing or a swim speed, this increase applies to that speed as well. Uh, as far as I know, I believe there's only a couple of classes here and there that gain um, swim speeds and climb speeds. I know tabaxi gain climb speeds, uh, and oh, I'm trying to remember what they're called. They're the fish people. They gain swim speeds as well. Um, I never play them because you... Unless you're playing in a completely like at sea uh, campaign, you know, like they can't do anything. They were they're required to have water in order to breathe. Um, yeah, it's it's a really weird player race that I don't use, um, just because I don't want to have to think about. Oh yeah, I'm suffocating because I'm on dry air and I haven't touched water for a bit. 
Um, okay, so we'll focus on the swashbuckler really quick as well, just because the swashbuckler is also a lot of fun. Um, fancy footwork. When you choose this archetype at the third level, you learn how to land a strike and then slip away without a reprisal. During our turn, you can make a melee attack against a creature. The creature cannot make an attack of opportunity against you for the rest of your turn. Basically, the idea of the swashbuckler is being able to get in and out of situations very quickly. Um, make your attack and then quickly escape. Uh, you can also bum, 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 use your charisma modifier as your bonus to your initiative. You can also use your sneak attack provided that no one else is around you. So if you are on a one-on-one -on -one duel uh, with someone else, and the idea of the swashbuckler is to be a duelist, um, if it's just you and one other target and there's no one else around you or him within five feet, uh, then you can use your sneak attack regardless of whether he can see you or not. This doesn't mean you get an advantage on it, it just means that you can use your sneak attack against him. Um, this is why sneak attack is so confusing, because they're just like, oh, you know, I don't have advantage, I don't get sneak attack. Well, no, that's not entirely true. So this is kind of like the opposite of what your traditional rogue would be like, in a sense that they would be like, you need to have an ally within engaged with the creature that you're attacking. This is the opposite. You need to have nobody around you. So it's really handy, and you can get a lot of really good damage if you're doing a one-on-one -on -one duel with, this, with these things. So, And that's it. Those are the rogues. We're not really going to talk too much about them. I do encourage you absolutely to uh, look into Xanathar's. Or if you want to talk to your DM about doing homebrew, I've, I know I've, I've bashed homebrew in the past, but honestly, if your entire table is doing homebrew, hey, jump in on the fun. Um, just talk to your DM ahead of time and try to see what it is that they want to run as well. You know? You, you're allowed to do whatever you would like at your tables. That being said, if you're playing at my table, I will tell you what it is I'm cool and not cool with. <laughs> okay, and that's it. So, once again, uh, for this, I've been using Xanathar's Guide, as well as the Player's Handbook, in order to get all this information from. Uh, these are all official content, so you can uh, literally buy these books. They're, I believe they're about like $60 Canadian, depending on where you go. Um, or you could just use any flip if you want to save a couple bucks, because this is free. It just um, gives you the books and all the canon um, knowledge and, and writings in it for free. Um, but that's completely up to you. Okay, so next week we're going to be talking about the sorcerers. Sorcerers are super good um and they're kind of like i don't know they're kind of they're the quote-unquote chads of spell casting and we'll talk about why next week all right and that's it take care we'll see you next week for the source book here on right radio.ca